With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. Well, I'm excited today. I am fangirling over here because one of the best writers in the world is here on the podcast. So guys, everybody welcome Jen Pollock michelle We are talking about spiritual disciplines this week, and she has an incredible new book that talks about our faith and how we actually practice it and not just, you know, think our way to faith. In fact, that's one of my favorite quotes that that you refer to in your book. It says, don't just try thinking your way into faith, but practice your way into faith. So talk just a little bit about your passion behind this project, because it's exactly what we're talking about this week. I think for a lot of people, like the whole idea that I've got to think my way into faith or feel my way into faith feels like totally untenable. Like, I don't even know how to do that, you know? And so just to give somebody some practical advice to say, okay, here are some things you can do, not that we can just put on faith because we do external things. You know, I really do think that faith is a work that God does in our hearts, you know, as we surrender and trust him. But for so many people, and and for myself included, that feels just too ethereal, like think my way into faith or feel my way into faith. Okay, give me some practices, some habits. And I think the whole book really is about this idea that habits can be a way to lead us to God. Hmm. And for you, has that been a struggle? What's the fight for you in that? Well, I'm I'm such a routine sort of person, so habits do come naturally for me. I think I think the struggle for me is to kind of constantly remind myself of what the purpose of the habits are. You know that you can have spiritual habits, you can have spiritual practices and disciplines. They're not the end. They're not the goal. They're meant to bring you into friendship and communion with God and to be transformed into the image of Christ. So for me, it's like coming to a point sometimes where you just need to like shake up the habits. You need to shake up the routine because, you know, maybe it's gotten a little bit stale or maybe you just have permission to try something new because you're moving into the desire to know God, to be known by him and be transformed. Here's what I like about your writing is you take ethereal concepts like faith and you, you make them real and tangible and doable. And I know what the average person is feeling and thinking is they're probably most of the people listening are more like me than like you. Habits don't come natural to them. And they're waiting to feel something before they actually, you know, get in the word or, you know, connect with God. They actually are waiting for some emotional draw. And you say, don't wait for that. Don't wait for that. You know, it's actually the habits that create that. I think that's actually like the real mystery of it is that you can practice something and it actually gives you the desire for the thing. You know, you can think about exercise like there. I mean, for so long, like I did not have an exercise routine because it just felt hard. You know, for as routinized as I am, I'm like, I don't actually really want to. Um, But then I kind of realized, I think maybe turning 40, like this is probably something I should do. And now that I have the habit of doing it, like, and I actually feel the benefits of it, of doing it, then I don't actually have all of that resistance anymore. 
And I think the same is true, like even reading the scriptures, you know, a simple habit like that, it can feel, you know, sort of dutiful, like something that you engage because you know that you should. It sometimes does feel like eating your broccoli. But you know what? If you eat broccoli enough, like you actually start to like it. You start to feel your body feels a lot better if you eat broccoli than mac and cheese all the time. <laughs> Although, oh, yeah. you know, an occasional, you know, box of mac and cheese is sometimes good too. So I think that's the thing is that the feeling actually does come. I don't want to suggest that like everything that we do is just we do it for obligation's sake. It's just that that initial resistance is so hard. Mm-hmm. And if we wait for the feeling, we will never kind of climb that mountain. So what is the resistance? Why is it so hard? We're not talking about working out. We're talking about spending time with God, but that's real. I do think most people feel a strong resistance to that. Well, I think part of it is spiritual. You know, I really do think that there's a spiritual battle, um, that there are forces, you know, powers and principalities, if you will, that want to keep us from God, you know, want to keep us distracted. It's not even that the enemy wants us to like, always, he's very happy if we're just binging on Netflix, you know, it doesn't even mean you have to go fall off a cliff and, and, you know, do something criminal. Um, So I think there's a spiritual element. I think there's just a total distraction element, which, you know, is that everything in our culture right now is like so easy, like literally you just flip open your laptop and swipe on your phone and like you are endlessly entertained. And so there is an element of spiritual discipline where it actually, there's a effort required in it. I love how Dallas Willard says, you know, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. It's opposed to the idea that your effort could ever, you know, make God proud of you. Mm. But effort is, is an important part. And I think there's so much in a technological society that tells us that effort is bad. That, that your your goal is to just reduce the effort that you expend in life. Mm, I don't feel that way as much because I do feel like there's a hustle. Maybe it's because I live in Dallas. There is a hustle around me all the time, but I absolutely agree that I push against it and I don't want to feel it. And so I think there is a desire for me to, you know, and I think there's been this whole movement of grace and this movement of I would say license that has been taken too far where there isn't any longer this, you know, I look back at spiritual disciplines was one of those books for me. I read from Richard Foster in college and it just blew my mind. Nobody had ever talked to me about fasting. Nobody had ever talked to me about meditation. Nobody had ever talked to me about silence and the practices that had been part of generations of Christians. And yet I think in our culture, it's certainly in the generations that are coming, this is something that they aren't familiar with. Some people listening right now are thinking, what is she talking about? What are those disciplines? So so talk about what those disciplines are and what you've seen the most fruit from in your own life. Yeah, I'm glad that actually you mentioned fasting because that's kind of a new discipline for me. There's like a huge resistance for me in fasting. I don't want to like, I don't want to spend one meal, (laughs) you know, where I'm not eating, where I just literally have to feel hungry. And that is just so silly, but it's so real. I mean, prayer, you know, one of the things that I started in the middle or sort of early in the pandemic was fixed hour prayer, which is, again, one of those like really old practices of Christians to just kind of almost like imagine a bell tolling at certain points of the day and it's calling you back to prayer. And so Mm -hmm. I have this book called The Divine Hours and I'm trying to just make these moments in my day where I just return to prayer. And it's so hard 
because usually it feels very interruptive and I just want to kind of keep going about my day and going about my plan. But how good and the crazy thing about that particular practice, and I think this is an interesting thing about the spiritual disciplines and something I've noticed myself, I go to it so often just to feel better. It's almost mm. like it's a self-help kind of method or mechanism. I just, let me feel better. Let me not feel anxious. Let me feel like I have some peace. And those are byproducts, I think, of the spiritual disciplines. Well, one of the things I, I learned about fixed hour prayer is that initially Christians, they implemented that practice so that they could come, they could join the ongoing hymn of praise that they imagined mm. was sort of resounding throughout um, creation. And I thought, oh, that's not why I came to fixed hour prayer. I was in the middle of a pandemic and life was totally disrupted. And I just needed like some markers, you know, even in the day. And so, you know, reading scripture, I think is like a keystone habit. And I, it always mm. surprises me when I, when I talk to Christians who bemoan or lament that they're not growing. And then you ask like, well, you know, tell me about your habits for reading scripture. They're like, oh yeah, I don't really do that. And it's almost like, I mean, Jesus said it's your food. I mean, how would you mm -hmm. expect to grow if you didn't eat and if you didn't eat three meals a day? So you can't just eat once a week or, you know, even mm -hmm. twice a week. And I couldn't be happier that when I was 16, when I beha became a Christian, somebody said to me, you've got to make a Bible reading a daily habit. And they actually said, do it for 10 minutes a day for six months. And that felt, you know, I mean, looking back, you're like, well, like, is that a little legalistic? But I think it was just, again, just a practical kind of way of saying, hey, you know, how do you actually form a habit? By consistency. Yeah. By just like doing it like daily if you can. So let's talk about when they open their Bibles. What exactly would you encourage them to do? Because there's a lot of people listening right now that have never done this. They've never read their Bible in a consistent way. So, and th that's intimidating and I get it. What would you say to someone that's opening their Bible for the first time? I've had the opportunity to be reading the Bible along somebody who's alongside somebody over the last couple of years, who's a new Christian. And so the first thing I want to say is like, it is intimidating, but it's not impossible. There are so many aids, supports, like we've never had more supports than we have now to actually read the Bible. So getting yourself a plan, getting yourself, you know, some, some helps, you know, to just help you feel like you know where to start. I mean, there are a gazillion out there and maybe you guys can put some in the show notes. Jenny, you've written some, I've written some, the Bible project, you know, there's just, she reads truth. There's just a you version. There yeah. are lots of ways to get on a plan. I think the plan is a big part yeah. that can it's help good. people feel like there's a structure because if you come to scripture and this is true for me, I've been reading the Bible 30 years now. If you come to scripture and you don't have a plan, it is very easy to just be like, oh, well, today I don't know what to read, so I'm not going to read. So get get some friends to do it with you. That accountability piece is so huge. You know, it could just, and just so that somebody, you're sharing with each other, you know, what you've read. If you can have somebody who's a little bit further along than you so that you can have somebody to ask questions of, that's super huge. But the thing is, you have to constantly remember, and this is just a thing I keep coming back to myself. Every time I sit down with the word, I'm not just reading the scripture. I'm letting it read me. I'm letting God sort of examine my own heart. You know, you think about the prayer of the psalmist. Search me, oh God, know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts. 
I think that's what scripture does to us when we sit down to it. And that also could be part of the resistance is that sometimes we don't want to be searched. We Mm. don't want God to examine us. But the thing that's so beautiful about that, the reason why we can lean toward that invitation is that God's ways are life. And Mm -hmm. if he's going to reveal something in our hearts that is sin, what that really means is that's death. And you actually don't want it anyways. You'd much rather have God say, you know what? You're eating out of the garbage bin. (laughs) Here's some, here's like, I've got so much more for you. Mm. I know that, It is a struggle for people to sit down, read the Bible, and then feel like they don't walk away with a feeling or walk away with an experience or walk away with even, maybe they walk away with confusion. Maybe they don't even walk away with knowledge. What would you say to the people that feel like, hey, I've given this a try and I did it this morning, but I just, it's not changing anything. It's not causing any short-term feeling or change. The one thing I'd want to say is, well, first of all, whenever you have a habit, you can't measure the rewards of the habit, like just on on the basis of one day, one time. The habit of reading scripture um, has rewards that really are measured, I think, in years. Mm -hmm. The other thing I want to say is that when we go to scripture, I think we really have to calibrate our expectations. I think the scripture is a book about God. And I think even if you don't feel anything differently after you walk away from the scriptures, could you write down one thing in your journal? Like I learned something about the character of God. I learned something about the way God has acted in history. I learned something about God's great and generous love as he expressed it through Jesus. I can't imagine that, you know, usually when you read any part of scripture, you're going to find something to identify that you learned about God, write that in your journal. Then look back over a month and think about the ways, what new insights you have about God. Write down your questions too. Take those somewhere. Take them to your pastor. Take them to your small group leader. I don't want to say necessarily Google them because you never know what you're going to come up with. But yeah, there are so many, so many helps for questions as well. And I think those are important. Let's talk about meditation because I think that's part of this for me where you're, and you're leading to that, that that this is really about our fixing our eyes on God at some point in our day. So whether it's Pray As You Go, which is an app I love, by the way, if y'all don't follow me on Instagram, it's one that I will go sit in a park and it's just what you said. There's bells playing. Have you ever done it? No, I haven't. You would love it. You will love it. You've got to download it. I'll send you the link. Okay. We'll put it in the show notes, but it's this these bells. It's so old school, but it's meditating and it's scripture and then it's prayer. It leads you in prayer. And I would say that meditation piece is the part that's the hardest, but it's the part that's the most fruitful for me as far as it not becoming something that is about attaining more knowledge or facts. It's about something that, like what you said, where it's absorbing into our our soul and over time bringing fruit and change. Is that hard for you? What do you feel when you're just quiet, like just dead, still quiet? Oh, I think it's hard for anybody these days, you know, because we like our lives just kind of blur by like every day just blurs by and you're just running so fast. But I think it gets easier. I mean, I think the more like even honestly, just a year of praying fixed hour prayer, which is just more kind of intentional moments of quiet throughout the day. I recognize it's a little bit easier to come back to and like settle a little bit faster but I love, I love what you're talking about with meditating. Like it makes me think Psalm one is like my just 
probably one of my favorite parts of scripture, truthfully. And I've been so kind of fixated on trees and scripture this year. And so in Psalm 1, it's the person who's planted, it's the tree that's planted mm-hmm. by the streams of water and meditating on, you know, the words of the Lord, the law of the Lord day and night. Well, it's funny because I've been thinking about that. I've read that a gazillion times. And I even would say I've meditated on it. But sometimes when you just sit with something and you like sit there and you sort of sit in it, new things will come. And I realized that I thought of that tree as an ever blooming tree, constantly in bloom. But actually the scripture says that it blooms in season. Mm-hmm. And so even just Good. to meditate on that sort of like enlarged kind of like a new understanding, like, okay, not always in bloom. There are yeah. spiritual seasons. You could be a healthy tree and you could be wintering. And that doesn't mm. mean you're not alive. It actually mm. could be very vital. And that's another thing about like kind of just getting to the idea of like our feelings. Like we, mm. we want, I want to be a tree who's constantly in bloom. I want it to be perpetually summer. But, you know, trees live all kinds of different seasons. Sometimes they're in fall and it looks like everything's dying. Everything's changing color and the leaves are dropping. And you could be in a season like that, and it could be exactly the season that God means for you to be in. And it could be this, this preparation for the, the deep roots that grow in winter and then all that kind of buds and blossoms in spring. And so that, like, that's just one example of you just sit and you think about a tree, and then all of a sudden, like, the Holy Spirit just enlivens it in your mind. But you wouldn't find all of that if you just literally read it super fast. What season do you feel like you're in? Oh, that's such a good one. I almost wonder about autumn. Like I've been thinking about fall. I think it's been a season, I think especially for the pandemic, like just so much loss, so many things just kind of like leaves falling. And it actually reminds me of a poem that somebody just read to me about leaves that fall. And then he was imagining, actually he was watching out of his office window and the leaf blower like like blowing the leaves and it almost looks like they're rising and this image of resurrection. And so I, I think that that can be so hard when things fall, like when you say no to things, when it seems like maybe your life is getting smaller in some way, narrowing, and you're like, I don't, and you don't see what's in bloom yet. I think mm. that's a little bit what's happening maybe for me. And um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I, some days, like maybe I feel more hopeful about it than others. Well, I think that's incredibly hopeful, even in the context of what you just shared, which is this is part of life, right? Like there will be a spring. And I think that, I mean, we're all tempted to believe that what we feel or what we experience in this moment is what we're going to feel and experience forever. I especially see that in my teenagers, right? It's it's this just moaning and gnashing of teeth and and this will never get better. And And I'm like, you know... It will. But I can't say that. They've got to just live it. And and I think there's so much hope in what you're saying. And even if you're listening and you feel like, okay, this is my fall. This is not going to last forever. Or maybe it's just dead winter. And I mean, talk about a dead winter we just lived. Like that was colder than normal, snowier than normal in Texas. <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> It just, but but after quarantine and after the year we'd all had, it was like, we can't do anymore. <laughs> so I'm going to will myself, Jen, to, <laughs> yeah. to be in spring. If you want to reverse the question on me, I don't even think I am, but I, I'm like, I am freaking putting on teal. Like I am going to put on, 
pink and we are going to will ourselves to spring here. And so would you pray for the people listening that feel like I, I want this, I don't know how to get it? Because while it is disciplined and effort, it also is fueled by the spirit, right? And that he would be moving our hearts toward him. Mm-hmm. God, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you are a good shepherd. I thank you that you seek and save the lost. And every day we find ourselves lost and wandering and resistant to the very good work that we know you want to do in us. Mm -hmm. And so I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would kindle the, the, the embers in our soul, kindle a desire for you, a desire to see your kingdom come, a desire to respond to your grace, and I pray that each day as we kind of fall on our face and get up the next morning, that we will experience new mercies. Lord, mm-hmm. give your people your power to follow you, to receive from you, to be like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. guys so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jen and Jenny. I want to make sure you know about Jen's latest book. It's called A Habit Called Faith, 40 Days in the Bible to Find and Follow Jesus. I told Jenny the first time I read this book, first thing that came to mind was just Jen is a incredibly gifted writer and she's deep and she gives you scripture that you can read each day. So we know you'll love it. You can find that on Amazon, anywhere books are sold, and I will make sure to put the link in the show notes for you. So we'll see you next time for another episode of the Made for This podcast. Mm-hmm.